Step into the world of healthcare from an immersive point of view with the Symmetry Health 360 podcast. Join us as we unravel the complexities of the industry, exploring the latest trends, innovations, and healthcare policies with expert guests, thought-provoking discussions, and patient-centered stories. Tune in now for a 360-degree perspective on health. Welcome to another Symmetry Podcast. We're coming to you live from New Orleans, Louisiana today. This is uh, Nick Seabrook. I'm joined by Billy Simeone, Rob Simeone, Natalie Alexander, and Brian Harris are also here doing a little recap from uh, the Knock Financial Managers Conference. Welcome, Billy. Thank you, Nick. And uh, excited to be here today. So as we're sitting here, kind of curious, Nick, what are some of the main takeaways you found that came out of this conference? What's the buzz going on right now? I'd say the biggest buzz in terms of takeaways, I think, were Medicare Advantage was very, very heavily highlighted throughout the conference. There was a pre-conference dedicated four hours of education specifically on Medicare Advantage. And then, you know, there was another half dozen sessions on Medicare Advantage by itself uh, throughout throughout the rest of the conference. I would say that was probably the the biggest buzz. And then we all obviously have some buzz with the proposed rule that came out on the right around the 4th of July with another proposed cut. So a lot of agencies are actively trying to address the budget cuts and, and what they should be doing from a Medicare Advantage contracting perspective. I agree. One of the things that I did find very interesting during the conference, though, was it was really upbeat. People are really optimistic about the future of, of home care and hospice. And although we know we always have battles that we have to wage, everybody's pretty excited and optimistic, which I thought was great because, I, you know, there's tough roads ahead of us. And I thought there'd be some people who were really kind of thinking it'd be uh, doom and gloom, but I really didn't see that. So maybe the atmosphere in New Orleans kind of helps with that. But uh, people were definitely excited and really wanted to figure out what they need to do to move forward, kind of make sure that their their organization's protected to go forward. So I thought that was great. What, what have you seen in uh, some of the presentations that were out there that, that really intrigued you? I thought it was great. There's a lot of openness to innovation. You know, I think specifically around looking at staffing, looking at how you're utilizing your staff using technology. There's a lot of talk about data, you know, how you can get data formulated to a way that's more usable, you know, format on that side. So I think it was some really great ideas were not only shared internally from, from agency to agency, but there's some really good presentations and really some really good takeaways. And it's exciting. This is an openness, I think, to break the walls of some of the traditional things that we've done, be able to provide more services for our patients. And as talked about before, potentially look at expanding some of our contracts within the Medicare Advantage plans. Natalie, this was uh, your first speaking engagement here at Financial Managers Conference. That was awesome. You did a great job. So maybe kind of talk a little bit about what your presentation was and some of the highlights and some of the feedback that you got afterwards would be very helpful. Yeah, thank you. So we talked about staffing compensation models and how it's not a one-size-fits-all for each agency. So talking about salary versus hourly versus per visit compensation models and how you build incentives within there to retain staff as well as make sure that they're getting exactly what they need out of their job. Whether you build in work-life balance, if you build in those kinds of incentives that relate to quality and acuity of patients, that's what's going to set you apart from other agencies and help you retain and attract staff to your agency. Awesome. And when you're talking about that, you know, it does come down to the culture as to how you have to build that out and make sure that it's not a one size fits all. And you have to understand the culture of your organization to make sure that what you actually implement is going to work. 
because what Rob does or what Nick does might not work for, for your organization. I think it's important. I think it's important to truly understand the culture of your organization as you move forward. That's really exciting, and congratulations on your first speaking Thank engagement. Thank you. It's always fun the first time, and uh, especially here in New Orleans. So. so we mentioned we're in New Orleans, which is known for their great cuisine. What's the best thing that you ate this week? Myself, personally, I had an awesome meal last night. I had some yellowfin tuna. That was really good. So that was probably the best thing that I had. I did dabble in the local culture or cuisine, you know, with some jambalaya and um, some gumbo, but the yellowfin tuna is the one that really kind of stuck. It was Louisiana yellowfin tuna, so I guess it's it's still kind of native. I was a uh, fan of last night. I had some lobster dumplings, and they were delicious. They were very good. But I also say the lobster dumpling was probably my favorite, you know, you know, savory. My sweet last night, I had something called it was a multi salty pie, which is an ice cream pie with pretzels. Big, salty, sweet type person, so that was one of my favorite dishes that I had. It was hit the spot. I needed something a little sweet to cap the night off last night. Nice. Yeah. Actually, we had that also, and uh, Patrick Brown from Trinity, He, I told him, have a little bit. He's like, oh, how good could it be? And I think it was going to be eat the whole thing if, uh, if he knew he wasn't going to share it with everybody. But that was that was a huge hit at that restaurant. That was awesome. I had some shrimp grits last night, and they were really good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I would say any of the New Orleans cuisine. So jambalaya I had multiple times. Gumbo I had multiple times. Oysters, both raw and char-grilled, I had multiple times. I had a lot of food this, this trip. But then the bread pudding, I think, is always my uh, my fan favorite for uh, for dessert. One of the other uh, fun, uh, fun, exciting pieces that takes place at Not Financial is the induction of a Hall of Fame member. So this year, Teresa Forrester, who's, who's coming up on retirement, she was inducted in the Hall of Fame. You, know, you guys want to share some some Teresa stories. She's been a great advocate over the years. She's done so much for, for the hospital industry. Teresa's fantastic. I mean, anything you ever need to know about hospice, she seems to be, to know it all. She's a wealth of knowledge and they, you know, try to keep it close to the vest as to who's going to get the award and there was a lot of buzz as to who might get it, this person, that person and when, when Bill announced that it was Teresa I could not have thought of anybody better and more deserving to get the award than her. It was just exciting and to see her be surprised was was what made made the whole morning so uh it was great i i owe a lot to teresa in terms of a lot of the things that she's taught me over the years so uh really really excited for her so great, great way for her to kind of retire on that she got the hall of fame award you know i've always remember i think my first conferences i think teresa was one of the first people i actually met in the conference and what i've always admired by, about her is her passion uh, her passion for the industry her passion to help out members every time i've asked a question i have email whether it's called She's a answers me in about two minutes. I feel like I don't want to finish the email before he's actually got back to me on that. Uh, but she's such a wealth of knowledge and, and really, you know, I've always been really impressed, especially, you know, working with her in some of the work groups um, about her dedication to the industry. She does everything for the right reasons. She's very passionate about it and she really wants to help the members. She wants to make sure, you know, we have all the information to be successful and also just advocate for us, which which is really critical, especially in the hospice area where the landscape is 
coverage statement. So I know we talked a little bit about the proposed rule, and that was again a lot of the buzz. You know, any any key takeaways from the proposed rule? We know we have the the two percent cut, but any other takeaways that, that you all wanted to, to share from uh, from the proposed rule or advocacy? I think I think on an advocacy uh, basis, you know, again they talked about finding that agency that is you know ha- ha- reducing the access to care or having issues with it because of the. Ch- the budget cuts that are being made. So, I mean, I really would love to find that organization that's going through that right now, especially in the rural agency, hit rural areas. They're the ones that are going to get hit the hardest because it's, you know, people are going to shrink their their service areas just because that's what they have to do in order to survive. So I really would love to, you know, see everybody kind of chip in and, and give those examples, whether it's in the, you know, the comments that come back or afterwards. I think that's going to be really important and I give a lot of credit to uh, to knock to in filing that lawsuit against CMS you know I do think we have a really strong case and I you know at first I thought you know wow will CMS be you know be angry with that and kind of come back at the age at, at, at the industry and it was really interesting going through the process where they said you know this is normal and customary and this is as long as it's not personal which we didn't make it personal it's just that's just the way it is and they expected us to do it and I think that we finally stood up and you know as I said to Bill you know we have all these we talk about rainy days it's it's pouring out right now. So now's the time to use some resources to try to uh, to protect the, our, our membership and uh, how we're going to move forward. So again, I think there's there's a lot in that role. Hopefully, you know, we can maybe come to some sort of a compromise on some of the issues that are in there to help organizations. But, you know, I want really to have everybody to kind of really see how this is going to affect them, whether it's your uh, CBSA or others. There's some, there's some big hits in there that people may not even think of above and beyond just the, the high level reductions that are there. Yeah, it's a good point with the just knowing the impact and we just look at on the surface the, the base rate going down 2%, but there's also recalibration of the case mix weights. So you know, I know there's some clinical groupings such as MS Rehab and Neuro that really took a hit from some of the recalibration of those case mix weights. Even looking at the functional impairment scores below functional impairment level did see an increase in the, in the reimbursement however medium and high both saw a decrease so if you're a high therapy utilizing agency the cut could be potentially a, a lot higher than that two percent and the other point you brought up was the the shift for some of the wage index values there's 45 CBSAs that saw the maximum decrease of five percent so that's a significant number you know compared to last year I think there's only 13 so it really is important to make sure that you're getting a, a good sense of what that impact is for your organization when you're when you're looking at, at, at the uh, what, what's being proposed and that's a great point Nick I think really uh, one of the key takeaways from this conference is you know people going back and looking at some of their data and then then really kind of putting that information together and start projecting where they're out and you have a lot of agencies right now that are starting some of these strategies so strategies, you know, like Nick said, we're talking a little bit about, you know, case weight mix. You know, one of the big things and one of the big clinical groupings that I think had one of the biggest impacts was musculoskeletal and um, and, and rehab. Again, you've got to rethink your therapy model a little bit, right? You know, we see, we work with a lot of agencies and we got a lot of nods when uh, Natalie and I presented up there about um, not utilizing the therapy assistance um, and that the productivity some of these agencies you go to, they're only doing two visits per day. So you're really underutilizing them and really 
stressing with this new model because they're paying less on some of these cases. How can you utilize that? How can you kind of perform a little bit more of a therapy case management model? A lot of talk about that from some of the agencies. Um, some of the agencies have started going down that path and been very successful. Other agencies are in the process. So I think from a clinical operation, it's something really to, to, to look at as you start to really put together their strategy for next year. Great. Uh, no, you're obviously part of our cost report team, an uh, integral part. You all start to look at the numbers and see what you know what the differences are in the cost. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about what we saw preliminarily from the 2022 cost report data. So when we took a look at the skilled nursing costs alone, just between 21 and 22, there was about a $20 increase. And so looking at those increases, as well as the proposed cuts, it's detrimental to agencies across the country, um, especially those rural agencies. So taking a look at those cost reports that you have filed year over year and seeing what those costs per visit are will help you from either a budgeting perspective or from just knowing what your costs are that you're incurring every single day. Is really You really need to be doing that at this point to be able to make sure that you're on you know, making a profit for your agency as well as advocating for yourself. Take those documents to your congressman and show them what your costs per visit are in a day to show them that those cuts will affect you in a terrible way and could potentially close your agency. And that, that number really was eye-opening to me when, when you know, we were talking about what we're seeing with that $20 increase. And I actually spent a lot of time at the conference this week talking to other cost report vendors, and they're all seeing similar increase of about 10%, you know, double-digit increases in cost per visit compared to you know, 22 over, over 21, which is interesting because if you look at the proposed rule itself, what CMS did is they took the average cost per visit in 2021 and their assumption was that the the increase was 2.6 percent, and so we're a lot less than you know what we're seeing nationally in, in talking to those to those uh, other vendors. So it's it's interesting. That wraps up a podcast live from uh, live from New Orleans. We're gonna lick our wounds here and travel back. Everyone have a have a safe trip back, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thanks.